Greetings, adventure. Welcome to the D20 Academy podcast. I'm your host, Shell Kanishiro, and this is episode 33, Character Creation. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode. Um, in this one, I'm going to break down character creation in 5th edition and give you guys tips and tricks on the process. Uh, for beginners, I'll explain everything simply and easily to get you started. And for experienced players, I'll give helpful tips on how to improve your character creation process and what you can do to continue getting fulfillment and the fun out of character creation. Um, this is one that I've kind of been meaning to do uh, since the beginning of the podcast, actually. Um, I, I initially wanted to start the podcast with all these episodes on like the basics of D&D and things for new players, and I kind of actually did start with that, just descriptions of like how the Dungeon Master works and how the players work and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, <clears throat> but I totally forgot to, 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 do, an, to do something on, on character creation, um, which is one of the first steps uh, that, that new players learn. Um, so now, episode 33, uh, 33 episodes into the podcast, I'm finally going to be talking about it. Um, but I, I got a lot of good stuff to talk about here, and I think this is going to be helpful for, you know, not only new players who want to learn more about character creation and, and to get uh, it more easily explained to them if they find the book kind of confusing, um, and also for experienced players, helping you guys out in, in your character creation processes and, and when you go through it as well. Um, once again, if you guys want updates on D20 Academy, what we're doing here, we're doing so much other stuff other than the podcast, and what new podcast episodes are going to be, and if you want input on what you want the future podcast episodes to be about, you can go ahead and follow us on Instagram at D20 underscore Academy, and also just refer the podcast to your friends. If you have some people who play Dungeons and Dragons, or you have some friends that you want to rope in to Dungeons and Dragons, or just role-playing games in general, just that, that whole awesome world, um, then go ahead and refer them to this podcast, uh, and that, that means a lot to me. I work really hard on these every single week, and being able to just reach more people and help more people get into this hobby, or uh, make their games even better and more fun for them and their friends means a lot to me. Um, but without further ado, let's jump right into character creation. Okay, so just starting with an overview, um, for those of you who aren't super familiar, creating characters in D&D is one of the most fun, fulfilling aspects of the game. Um, in fact, lots of players love it so much, they will create characters just for fun, even if they ever never even get a chance to play them. Um, myself and my other friend, who is probably like the most other like like really into the community and into Dungeons and Dragons as much as I am, we both sometimes just like we'll, we'll just be bored, so we'll just like make a character. Um, and and he loves also uh, you know I I'm really more of a dungeon master. I like looking at all those the new monsters and and. Uh, new techniques and new ways to improve my story and stuff. That's kind of the, the stuff that I like to look for on the internet and in videos. Well, he likes more of the player aspect and, and looking at new races and new classes and new character builds and all that kind of stuff. So he's just built, like, tons of different characters uh, with all these different, like, playtest classes or different combinations of multi-classing, all that kind of stuff. Uh, just because it, it's just a super fun process to just make a character. It, it's really fun and fulfilling. Um, and, you know... Whether it's your first time building an adventure or your 100th time, there is a lot to get out of this experience. Um, it's just it's, it's such a great time, and and it's just it's really it's really inspiring and and uh, boosts your creativity and uh, gets you excited for the for the upcoming campaign and all that kind of stuff when you create a character. Um, it, it it's just it's just a lot of fun. Um, now in fifth edition, character creation is made simple and easy, and it's detailed right from the beginning of the book, right at the beginning of the player's handbook, the whole first section is all about character creation um, with these simple, easy, these, these, these steps straight off from the beginning. Uh, and those are actually the same kind of steps that I'll be following 
um, in this episode, kind of explaining those more thoroughly or talking about whether I think some steps should be switched around or if steps should be added or removed, so stuff like that. Um, a tight four-page summary going over each step in character creation and keywords in the game's rules uh, is right at the beginning of the book. It's a great way to help new players digest the game and start creating a character. Um, so I, I may be, I may be explaining some things I disagree with or things that I don't like about the way that they, they did this, this chapter or this bit in the player's handbook, but ultimately I really do think that it's a really, what they did was, was really good and I, I just like the way that they broke it down. Um, all, most of my things are just more nitpicky, um, because I, I really think Wizards of the Coast did a great job in, in this first, I mean really just in 5th edition in general, but in this first section here and, and the steps on character creation, while also teaching some of the mechanics of the game. Um, actually, and this is kind of a side note, Pathfinder 2nd uh, Edition, uh, which I'm actually playing a game of right now, um, also does that as well. In their kind of introduction, they break down how the game works while including like keywords and kind of teach you the basics of the game while you read through um, kind of what playing the game is like. And it's just also really, 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 really good there. Um, but same here in, in the 5th Edition Player's Handbook. Now, the only thing I dislike uh, this is actually not true, but probably the biggest thing I dislike about the step-by-step -step character creation process they give at the beginning of a book is a lack of clarity on where players should mark certain things on their character sheet. Now, they do mention at the beginning uh, of this chapter, uh, like, when we refer to character sheet, we mean whatever you're using to track your character, whether it's, like, an actual formal character sheet, right, which is, like, what 99% of D&D players use, or, like, a scratch piece of paper or some sort of digital record, whatever it is, that's what we mean by character sheet. And that's what they say at the beginning. Um, so, you know, yeah, that's fine, whatever. People Sometimes people find it easier to track their character sheets in different ways or don't have access to a printer or whatever it is. Um, but, yeah, obviously, if, if you can, if you have access to it, use the character sheet uh, that they have at the back of the book and, you know, the, the official 5th edition character sheet. Um, but even though they, they mention it and that the character sheet exists and it's, hey, you can print it off the back of this book, they, uh, they don't have uh, any, any part in the book explaining the breakdown of the different parts on the character sheet, where everything is, where you mark everything, um, and you kind of just have to figure it out on your own. It's it's not too hard. It, it's, you know, for the most parts of the sheet, it's obvious where things go, like your ability scores and your hit points and your racing class, like, that's pretty obvious. But some new players find character sheets confusing, and they don't know where everything goes. Um, definitely for people who are unfamiliar with Dungeons and & Dragons and just like tabletop role-playing games, character sheets can be kind of daunting and intimidating with all that information on that one sheet of paper. There's lots of slots and spaces all over that paper to fill stuff in for, and sometimes it's really hard to track down where things are at the beginning. Having like a page or two in the player's handbook with a picture of the character sheet and all these different like arrows pointing to the different aspects explaining what each of them are, where things go, would just be very, very helpful. Having this comprehensive explanation of the different aspects of character creation and where they go on the character sheet, where you mark the ability scores and your armor class and your class features, I think that would be really, really helpful. Um, and they don't actually include it. Like in most role-playing game uh, rule books and such that I, I've looked at so many uh, tabletop role-playing games rule books uh, in the past few months, um, but mo like the majority of those when talking on the chapter about character creation has a description of like has a picture of the character sheet and where things go and they have arrows pointing into the character sheet and all that stuff just to help people figure out where things go and f weirdly enough fifth edition doesn't have that i'm not really sure why they don't have that um because i think you know while well for the most part it's pretty obvious where things go 
new players can find it a little bit confusing. And even to this day, there's some things that I'm still not even sure about if I'm marking it correctly. I mean, obviously, as long as you know what you're what you're doing and where you mark it, then it's fine. As long as you know what, what's going on, uh, you don't need to f totally formally mark things in the place they're exactly supposed to be. Um, as long as the outcome is the same. Um, but you know, even when it comes to the ability scores, uh, the abilities on the side of the sheet, there's a big open space and then a small oval at the bottom. I don't actually know if the score goes in the bottom or the big space or where the, which one the modifier goes in. Um, I mean, once again, it doesn't really matter. Um, but just having like an example character sheet or something that they could just show, point out the different aspects of, would just would just be really helpful. Help help people navigate it so much easier that they can flip back to when creating their first few characters. Just to, oh yeah, right, my armor class goes here, and my class features, I write them down here, and all that kind of stuff. Um, because during character creation, if you're not super familiar with, with the character sheet and all that, it can be a little confusing, you know. Like, you choose your race, and it says, oh, you get dark vision 60 feet. You're like, where the heck do I write that? Um, there's no place that specifically says, like, class features or anything. So, you know, uh, j just having that, I think, would be would be really helpful, and uh, would just would just make the, the, the process just, just that much more easier. Okay. Let's go on to the step-by-step -step process, and I'm going to start with step zero. Um, I, I want to keep these steps in line with the, the step numbers, in line with the step numbers that they describe in the chapter, not to confuse you guys. Um, but I think there should be a first step that they don't include, which is why I'm calling it step zero. Um, this is not considered an official step in the character creation process in the player's handbook. Um, it is briefly mentioned before step one, but I believe it is much more important than the book gives it credit for. Um, this, this, uh, the step of character concept. Like I said, I've been reading through tons of different role-playing game uh, rule books and, and player handbooks and all that kind of thing recently, and most of them have this as the very first step. And I also believe that this is a good first step as well. Um, right, the, the, the initial and arguably most important step uh, of character creation is that of creating the character concept, right? Maybe you want to build around a certain race or class that seemed cool to you. Maybe you want, and maybe, uh, you're an experienced player and want to experiment with New Test material or a certain build. Maybe you want to build your character around a particular fantasy trope or a favorite movie or book character. Um, whatever it is, it's good to start with a basic concept of what you want to play. Um, while the details and story elements will probably come to you while you're figuring out the race, class, equipment, etc. You know, you don't have to have their full detailed backstory and everything decided straight from the beginning. Having a concept is always helpful. Now, for most new players, they have no idea what the heck they want to play. And that's, that, that's, that's totally fine. I mean... Part of character creation is looking at all these different things and choosing what you want and, and seeing what's cool. And, you know, that's part of what really makes creating your first or, you know, first few characters really fun. But even just flipping through the character creation chapter, looking at the different classes and races and just the different art and getting inspired from that, uh, you know, seeing a certain, like, art piece and being like, oh, that dwarven cleric looks really cool and I kind of want to play a character like that. And just having that as a basic concept... Or maybe, you know, you just, you're fresh off of watching a, a great movie and you loved one of the, the characters in the movie and you kind of want to build a character along those lines. Just having that concept and being able to build around that, um, I, th I think is really useful. And, and it's, it's a pretty important first step, I think. Um, going in blind and just picking whatever you want or just what seems cool to you in the moment, that's also fine and can also, once again, pr produce really, really cool characters. Um, but going in with a concept, I think, is, is a pretty important step. Um, and one that they just kind of just breeze over uh, in the beginning of this chapter. Okay, moving on to step one, the official step one, uh, which is choosing a race. Now, this is arguable, um, but the Harris Handbook puts it down as the first step. Now, depending on what you value as a player, for example, if you're a power gamer, 
Um, you may want to figure out your class first and then base your race off of your class. Um, typically, when I help new players through character creation, uh, creating their first character for 5th edition, I kind of merge choosing a race and choosing class together because lots of people like choosing their race based off their class or choosing their class based off their race. Um, it just depends on what you value more. Uh, in a character, for, for example, if you're someone who, who's a power gamer, you like being really powerful, you like optimizing your character, choosing the best character options, making your character the best that they can be in combat. Uh, this is not a bad thing, um, but if you're someone who enjoys that more line of play, the class is going to be much more important to you than the race, because the class is, you know, you get all, like, all your proficiencies, all your abilities, that all comes from the class, what you get every time you level up all comes from the class. The only thing you get from your race is a couple different features and stuff, just at the beginning of character creation. You don't really get anything else when you level up or anything like that. Um, and also, races give different ability score bonuses um, to, you know, the various abilities. So elves give a bonus to dexterity, dwarves give a bonus to constitution, that kind of thing. Um, and classes value different ability scores. Um, for example, barbarians want high strength and constitution, that's what they use the most. Wizards want high intelligence because that's what they use to cast spells. Etc. And so if you choose your class first, say, okay, you know what, I really want to be a, a, a barbarian. You may want to choose a race that gives a bonus to strength or constitution or both, um, because that is the, you know, that's going to help you be a better barbarian. Um, now, once again, if you just want to, you know, play a character, you don't really care how powerful you are or anything, that's fine. That's kind of how, how I am. I just like choosing a cool race, a cool class. Um, you know, just a character that I want to play, whether or not they really match up and give bonuses to each other or whatever to make me the most powerful, I don't really care about. I just want to play a cool, fun character that I like. Um, so, in that regards, then it's fine. Yeah, just choose a race and then choose a class. Just choose whichever ones you think are cool. Doesn't doesn't really matter that much. Um, but if you're someone who, who cares about being being powerful and cares about doing things in combat and feeling like, like, a, like a useful asset to the team, uh, you may want to choose your class uh, before you, you choose your race. Now, getting more detailed into the race. Race provides your identity and your ancestry, right? I mean, obviously, it also provides some physical and, and mental, like, capabilities, right? Whether you are more stockier or more agile or smarter or more wise, depending on just the inherent, the inherent uh, features of a race. Um, that kind of is, is down to, to, to your race, but also the different cultural uh, aspects of a race, right? The languages they speak, their names, where they typically dwell, what their culture's like, how they act, what, what the typical personality of that race is like, how they are viewed by the other races, how they view the other races. All that other kind of stuff comes from the race. So story-wise, it's actually pretty important uh, what race you choose, even though it doesn't really have any other impacts just from the little bonuses it provides at character creation. Um, you know, it, it will set your character apart from some of the other characters because of how you look and how you act and where you came from, what your backstory was. A lot of that is based off of your race. Um, now, obviously, you can you build the character you want. If you want to play a you know someone who grew up in the woods and is like a ranger, but you also want to be a dwarf, and the dwarven culture and society and stuff doesn't really fit with that at, at all, just make your background that you were like a dwarf and you were an orphan or whatever, and you were raised by you know rangers in the woods or whatever. Like that's fine. Um, but I, I think going through each of the races' descriptions, reading about them, reading about their culture and their history, can inspire a lot and help you create a, a, a cool, uh, realistic character that makes sense in the context of the, the, the setting. Um, so, yeah, while it doesn't provide any benefits past character creation, 
your race can matter a lot in the narrative, and it's, once again, a great inspiration for your character's backstory and personality, depending on the race you choose. Um, Alright, going on to step two. This is choosing a class. This is probably the most impactful decision you'll make in character creation, right? Your class is your vocation, your skill set, what kind of job you'll make up while adventuring. Um, and maybe talking with a gaming group about party makeup uh, and who wants to play what class is always good. Um, I suggest if you are starting a campaign, uh, create characters together. Do a character creation day where everyone kind of creates characters together and bounces ideas off of each other. Maybe figure out how some of their characters are connected or whatever it is. Um, also, in that way, no one, not everyone chooses the same class or anything. And if you, if you guys care about having a variety of classes and someone who can cover every base and adventuring and all that kind of stuff, being able to like talk with your friends and figure all that out uh, matters a lot. Because once again, your race, I mean, your class dictates kind of what you do in the game. Um, so it, it's pretty important. Classes also dictate your health, uh, your hit dice and hit point maximum. Now, this is something a lot of new players are don't really understand, the concept of, like, hit dice and all that kind of... Like, hit point, hit point maximum, that all makes sense. But, like, the hit dice thing doesn't really make a ton of sense. Um, but basically, hit dice is, is, an, is an amount of dice uh, in a certain kind of dice, right? Depending on what number of sides it has. Um, that kind of dictates how, how much health your character will have, basically. So if you're a barbarian, your hit dice will be d12s. Um, if you're a rogue, your hit dice will be d8s. Um, and then if you're a wizard, your hit dice will be d6s. And basically every time you level up, you roll this kind of dice, add your constitution modifier, and that's how much extra health you get onto your hit point maximum. Um, so, you know, uh, it, it kind of just depends like what role you play in, in the party. Once again, if you're a barbarian, you're going to be in the front fighting guys up close and personal you're going to be taking lots of hits and so having lots of health makes that make sense so you can go in there and take lots of hits um if you are you know a wizard who, whose power comes in like the spells they can cast but can drop easily you're going to have lower hit dice um the same amount of hit dice the amount of hit dice you have is just equal to your level that doesn't change but the 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 kind of dice right what, what amount of sides it has is dependent on that um, so that's kind of what hit dice are, and then also every time you take a short rest, you can spend hit dice and roll them, and that's how much health you regain. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just kind of depending, it's just like a thing that helps dictate more of what your class does. If you have, uh, if you have, if your hit dice is like a big dice, like a d10 or a d12, you're probably meant to be up close taking hits, because you can withstand it because you have lots of health. If it's on the lower side, like d8, d6, uh, you may want to be more in the back, and that kind of helps dictate what you do in battle, what you do in the party. Um, classes also dictate your proficiencies, um, and your proficiency bonus, depending on your level, which I'll kind of get into later. But proficiencies is basically what your character is skilled at. Uh, you may have already gotten some of your, uh, abilities, uh, sorry, some of your proficiencies from, like, a race, racial ability. Um, but basically, like, whether you can use swords, or axes, or heavy armor, or thieves' tools, whatever it is, these come from your class. Um, and these matter a lot. Um, uh choosing you know what to you know what you do in combat what, what kind of weapons you use what kind of armor you wear all that kind of stuff is based on your proficiencies if your class does not give you proficiency in the shield you can't really use shield um if it doesn't give you proficiency in martial weapons you can't wield long swords stuff like that um now for a class if you're a new player honestly just choose something that sounds interesting to you look through the art see which class looks the coolest um if you're very unsure about the rules and the mechanics of the game and you want to just play an easier class just to get used to the system 
Uh, I'd say go with Fighter, Barbarian, Paladin, or Ranger. Those are probably the easiest classes, the, the ones that are most simple and you can pick up uh, easily to understand the rules of the game. While spellcasters like Warlocks, Wizards, and Sorcerers are going to be much more complex uh, if, if you're not super confident in, in your ability to, to figure out the rules of the mechanics. Now, if you're an experienced player, you probably want to take your class very seriously. As you know, it defines your line of play. Um, try choosing something you haven't tried before, but is still up your alley. You know, you know, we a as humans and, and as players, you know, we have a certain way that we like to play. Um, obviously, you don't want to be playing the same exact character, like stereotype character, whatever, every single time you play a, a new character in a different campaign. But, you know, we all kind of have our own preferences of what kind of character, what kind of hero we want to play as. Um, but also, if you're an experienced player, you don't want to be playing the same class over and over again, unless you absolutely adore it and you love it so much you can continue having fun playing it forever, that's fine, but most likely, uh, you're gonna get bored of a class, uh, eventually, and so I would say, choose a class you haven't tried yet, but it's still, that will, that will still, you know, give you the same line of play that you like, the same style of play that, that you enjoy. If you just love spellcasting and solving problems with spellcasting, and you've just played a sorcerer in your campaign, you're starting a new one, maybe play, like, a wizard or a warlock or something a little different, but still up your alley in being a spellcaster, um, you know, also, there are tons of new classes and subclasses and extra 5th edition material and unofficial material, like Unearthed Arcana, um, which is cool. If you're using official things like those from Xanathar's Guide, uh, that's fine. I'd say, go oh, yeah, go, go choose those. Go look into those new subclasses and stuff to, to play a, a cool new character. If you're going to be using unofficial material like that from Unearthed Arcana um, or other things you just find online, make sure you check with your Dungeon Master first to make sure they're comfortable with it and are okay with its, its, its power level and all that kind of stuff. Okay, step three, determine ability scores. So, what are the abilities? Uh, if you're kind of new to the game and you don't understand yet, the abilities are the six different things that kind of make up your character. They are strength, dexterity, constitution, intelligence, wisdom, and charisma. Um, so, what's the difference between these? Well, um, strength dictates your... Uh, you know, your your strength, how strong you are, how much you can hold, um, you know, how much you can carry, how how strong your force is. Um, that's obvious, right? Strength, how strong you are. Dexterity is uh, a little more complex. If you're not really familiar with the word, you know, dexterity or what being dexterous means, um, it's kind of like your agility, your reflex, um, you know, things like dodging out of the way of an explosion is dexterity. Things like picking a lock with meticulous, you know, using... Uh, your fingers to meticulously like pick a lock carefully. That's also dexterity. Sneaking around, trying to be stealthy. That's dexterity. Um, just kind of like agility, reflex, balance, coordination, all that kind of stuff. That's all dexterity. Constitution is your character's physical hardiness and fortitude. Um, their their stockiness, um, how you know how much they can withstand. So the higher their constitution, the more health you'll have. Um, and the more you'll be able to withstand effects like poison or, or intense cold or something like that. Intelligence. Uh, intelligence always kind of gets mixed up with wisdom for new players. Um, but here's kind of the difference. Intelligence is just pure factual knowledge. Just information. Um, so if you're a learned character, if you're playing like a sage or a student or, or you know, someone who would have access to a high like education, you probably have a higher intelligence. You probably might know more languages or you, you know, you just know lots about history or medicine or like you just have lots of information. Uh, wisdom is like discernment, cunning. That's more of like your natural instinctual uh, systems. So 
tracking things and and perceiving things, uh, you know, observing observing people, being able to discern if someone's lying or not. That's all kind of like innate, uh, you know, instinctual c- like cunning aspects. That's wisdom. So intelligence is is just like knowledge, just being smart, and wisdom is you know being being wise, good decision making, discernment, and such. Um, and then charisma is your personality. Uh, you know your uh, how good you are at, at talking to people, and um, you know if you have higher charisma, you're probably like the center of attention. You can charm people. Um, people like you a lot. If you have lower charisma, you may be like kind of socially awkward or shy or something along those lines. Um, now, each ability uh, ability has a score and a modifier. Now, the modifier is based off of the score. Um, so the score uh, kind of matters in character creation because depending on what the score is, that's what the modifier is. But basically, for the rest of the game and for all the mechanics, modifier is what matters. Whether it's plus a number or minus a number. Um, the modifier is what you like add to all the things that have to do with that that ability, all that kind of stuff. So the modifier is used the most. Uh, that's kind of the point um, uh, of the ability, but the score dictates what the modifier is. Um, so that's kind of just something something to keep in mind. And remember. Um, now the way you figure out what your modifier is, you take the score and you put it through a simple mathematical equation, which is minus ten divided by two. That's the modifier. Um, now, if you've been playing D&D for a while, you're an, ex- you're an experienced player, you just know automatically if this is the score, this is the modifier, just because you've played the game so many times. Um, there's also a table within the, the player's handbook that dictates, oh, if this is the score, thus this is the modifier. Or you can just do in your head, minus 10 divided by 2. That's the modifier. Um, so, once again, you want a higher number. The higher you have a score and an ability, the higher the modifier will be, thus the better you'll be at that ability. Okay, so I would suggest starting uh, with, because you have to figure out what these numbers are, right, that go into these different aspects. So there is the starting ability scores, uh, the the basic ability scores that they provide, 15, 14, 13, 12, 10, 8, and you can put those into any abilities you want, um, spread those out as you wish. Um, There are other versions that they describe in the book to be able to figure these out, as in a system where you, like, spend points to buy a number and fit that in, or by rolling dice. But uh, these other two systems can get a little imbalanced and weird. If you're a new player, I suggest just using the basic set of scores. The Dungeon Master will probably tell you guys what to use. He's probably, he'll probably use the same system across all the characters. It'd be unfair if you told someone, like, you use the basic ability scores, but you can roll for your ability scores or whatever. Um, but I suggest just using the basic scores that they give you, 15, 14, 13, 12, 8, and putting those into the different, the various abilities. Now, remember, these, this is for the score. This is not the modifier. Put these six different scores in the different abilities. And then, of course, depending on your race, bonus to, to certain ability scores, right? If you're an elf, you're going to get a plus two to whatever you put into dexterity. So if you put a 15 into your dexterity, you'll get a 17. If you put a 13 into your dexterity, you'll get a 15, etc. Um, now, what I would suggest figuring out where you allocate these, these things um, I'd say first start with the two highest die, the, uh, the two highest scores, the 14 and the 15, and then the lowest score, the 8. Now, these may be different if you used another method of getting your ability scores, the point system, uh, or the rolling the dice. Um, but this is to figure out your character's biggest strengths and weaknesses and then fill in the rest. This is, this is what I like to run new players through and what, what I think is the best, the best way. So depending on your class, you're going to have one or two primary abilities that matter. 
right? If you're, once again, a barbarian, you want high strength and constitution. If you're a cleric, you're going to want high wisdom. Um, so take one of the two higher numbers, 15 or, or 14, and put that into this, this ability score, just so you can be useful in the game and useful in combat and, and all that kind of thing. Um, and then figure out what, you, what your second uh, highest ability score is. So your character has what kind of one primary thing that they're good at, whether it's wisdom or intelligence or, or constitution, and then what's the second best thing that they're good at? Strength, dexterity, intelligence, whatever it is. Um, once again, some classes want two high uh, abilities, so just make those your two highest. Um, but some classes only dictate, like, okay, just make this your highest, and whatever your second highest is whatever you want it to be. Um, but, you know, figure those two out, and then take your eight or whatever the lowest number is for you and allocate that. That's your character's biggest weakness, their biggest flaw. Now, this is fun. This should matter a lot. Um, not only do you want your character to be strong at certain things, right? You also want your character to be bad at certain things, right? It creates a realistic, fun character that you can play around with that flaw. So, you know, having a character, uh, you know, maybe you're playing a barbarian, and they say, okay, you, the, the book says you want high strength and constitution. So you say, okay, you take your two highest scores, put them into strength and constitution. Maybe you chose a half-orc, so you also get bonuses to your whatever you put into strength and constitution. Um, so you put the 15 and the 14 in there, you add the bonuses, and now you want to choose where you put your 8. Well, um, you can choose between dexterity, uh, intelligence, wisdom, and charisma, right? Now, what do you, you know, don't, don't, don't put this into like a thing you think you'll never use so you can be super strong. Um, put this into something that you think fits your character and something you want to play around. Uh, you know, having a flaw and having this kind of thing can be really fun and create a, an interesting character. Putting the 8 de in dexterity probably makes your character pretty clumsy. Putting it in, 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 into intelligence probably makes them not very smart. Um, uh, putting it in, in, into wisdom means they're probably not the best at decision making or perceiving the world around them. Uh, you know, they're a little oblivious, caught up in their own world. And putting into charisma probably makes them shy, socially awkward, not good at connecting with people. So, where you put the lowest ability score matters just as much as the higher ability scores. Um, because, you know, you want to have your character have a, a kind of a, a bigger weakness that kind of matters. And then the middle numbers that you haven't chosen, just spread those out as you wish, whichever ones you want to be a little higher. Uh, which ones everyone will be a little lower with the abilities you have left. Uh, okay, so that's that. Step three, on to step four. Describe your character. Now, hopefully you've been inspired by the other steps so far, right? Reading about your chosen racing class can give you ideas for what you want your character to be. Um, maybe something about dwarven culture stood out to you and you want to work it into your backstory and personality. Maybe the description of a bard who performs acrobatics sounded cool to you and you want to work that in. Probably through character creation, choosing your racing class, and reading up on all that kind of stuff inspired you to be able to flesh out your character a little bit more. So now you kind of describe your character uh, uh, more. Um, also, build around your ability scores, right? Like I said, a character with high intelligence will be brilliant and maybe even a smartass. And a character with low, de low dexterity will be, like, somewhat clumsy. So when you are building this character, describing this character, not only, like, what they look like uh, and what they wear, you know, depending on, like, the race and their class and all that kind of stuff... Um, but also build around their ability scores, right? If your character has high constitution, they're probably pretty, uh, you know, stocky and, and uh, you know, they're not bony and, and, and you know, uh, sickly if they have a high constitution. Um, so build around your, your ability's personality and physical attributes and all that kind of stuff around your ability scores so it, it makes sense to your character. Um, you also have to decide in, the, in, in step four your alignment, ideals, bonds, flaws, and background. So your alignment is kind of your character's moral uh, 
uh, what, what their morality, basically, um, how they act in certain situations, depending on what they believe. Um, I'm not going to get into this a ton here. You can look at it in, in the book. There's tons of information online about it. And actually, episode 10 of the D20 Academy podcast, there's a whole breakdown of alignment. So go ahead and listen to that if you haven't already or if you want to learn more. Um, so you have to figure out your alignment and your ideals, bonds, and flaws. So uh, oh, also personality traits, I believe. Uh, yeah, and, and your personality traits. So um, these four things kind of dictate your character's, uh, you know, personality and different aspects of them that kind of build up the foundation of, of, of your character rather than just like numbers and armor and weapons and attacks. Um, so your personality traits, uh, here you just kind of put a list of like adjectives that describes your character's personality. Um, you know, are they brave? Are they uh, brooding? Are they clumsy? Are they happy-go-lucky? Um, so just put in a bunch of descriptors of what your character's personality is like. Uh, your ideals are you know, what your, uh, uh, kind of, uh, you know, what you like, I, what, what, what do you, what do you believe? What do you, uh, uh, how, how do you view the world? What, what's, what, what do, what do you stand by? Um, if your ideal is honor, then you care about honor and, you know, not only in yourself and in others you see. If it's about freedom, you care about, uh, your own personal freedom and probably about the freedom of other people who are being oppressed. Whatever your, your ideals are. Um, your bonds are things you have, like, a like personal connection with things you hold most dear maybe it's like a personal quest for you maybe it's like your, your family maybe it's like a certain item or a keepsake whatever it is and then flaws are obviously your flaws right your your biggest weaknesses now i always say uh when i'm creating characters with, with new players put as much flaws as you possibly can um your flaw box on the character sheet should be overflowing um having a character with more flaws makes them more realistic more interesting and more fun to play um you should not, uh, if, you're, if you're going into D&D thinking like, I'm going to build the most powerful character, they're going to have no weaknesses, they're going to be strong at everything, they're going to be the craziest hero ever. Um, that's maybe a little fun for you, but probably not for everyone else at the table and doesn't make for a good story or a good character. Um, giving your character lots of flaws and lots of weaknesses, things that they can grow and that, can, that they can change, all that kind of stuff, makes your character realistic and really in an interesting, intriguing character. You also have to figure out your background, which you know, this has to do with how you grew up. Did you grow up as a noble, as a as a uh, uh, an urchin on the streets, as a guild artisan, um, as a hermit? How did you grow up? So there are a bunch of different kinds of backgrounds in 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 the background chapter um, of the book later on in the player's handbook. So now that you've kind of figured out your character, their kind of personality, probably where they're from, you got inspired from art or different aspects from descriptions from like your race or your class. Figure out a bare bone. Uh, basics of like your backstory where you come from how you grew up where your family was like all that kind of stuff and then choose one of the backgrounds that best fits uh the backstory that you chose and then depending on your backstory uh you sorry the background you choose you get a couple different like uh proficiencies or some new items and such like that speaking of items let's go on to step five choosing equipment now there are two ways to do this you can either just take equipment from the from the class in the background what they provide you or you can go shopping yourself uh, which at the beginning of chapter 5 uh, in the player's handbook, there's a table for depending on your class you roll, and that's how much money you can spend. Um, then you just go through the rest of the chapter, looking at weapons, armor, equipment, mounts, whatever it is, and just spending your money how you see fit. Um, I like to take new players shopping, allow them to buy their own equipment, uh, because it's helpful for them to get familiar with all their equipment and how it all works and all that kind of stuff. Um, but taking base equipment from the class and background 
can be done in much shorter time and is easier for players who can get easily overwhelmed. Um, so if you're making a character for like the first time, maybe just go with the, the, the equipment they provide you from your class and your background instead of rolling for it and then going shopping yourself. Uh, also, quick rule of thumb, just get things your character's proficient in. Um, while you can technically wear or wield items that you aren't skilled in or proficient in, it's a complex issue and is easily avoided by just not getting any equipment you're not proficient in. Um, there's like all these rules for like, oh, if you're not using a weapon you're proficient in or whatever, just 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 get stuff you're proficient in. Uh, it's it's just simple. If if you're proficient in light and medium armor, just wear light or medium armor. Don't go for heavy armor because then there's all these rules you have to follow and stuff. Um, if you're only proficient in simple weapons, don't get a martial weapon because you're not gonna be good at it and it's just not gonna be fun. Um, so just for rule of thumb, just just get the things you're proficient in. It just makes things so much easier. Okay, step six, come together. This is the final step they give in the player's handbook, and it's like, now you come together and you form the party. All the player characters come together and stuff, and you're about to go on an adventure. Uh, cool. Uh, yeah, so once again, obviously, uh, that's kind of basically the end of character creation, and the, the final step is to come together and start your campaign, start your adventure. Um, obviously, you're going to have a lot of fun. Um, but I just want to make, make a quick note here on the party. Uh, the party is the group of adventurers, the group of player characters. Um, team composition uh, matters depending on what you guys care about. You know, having having uh, various uh, different classes, having a spellcaster, uh, someone who can sneak, someone who can frontline, all a support class, all that kind of stuff uh, is 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 pretty good when it comes to adventuring and all that. Um, actually, I did do an episode on like team composition and all that kind of stuff. Um, I believe. That was, here, let me check here. I believe that was episode... Was it... Uh, oh, episode 9. Uh, episode 9 of the podcast talks all about that. So if you want to learn more about that, go over there. Um, also, you may want to have like characters with various personalities and background choices just to create a colorful, interesting group of individuals. Um, so that's you know that all, all kind of comes together with the party. Now, I have two unofficial steps after that. So my unofficial step seven is on spells. So while it's fine to choose spells and to figure out spellcasting during the step where you choose your class, I like to save it for last. Um, if, if I'm helping a new group of players make characters, I want everyone to advance to the next step at the same time. And having a couple people go through spells and that whole debacle while everyone just sits there isn't fun. Instead, if you save it for the end, while the other players who don't have spellcasting can then begin working on their backstory and fleshing out their character even more, the ones who do have spellcasting, we can then go through that together and help them choose spells and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, make sure that if you're a spellcaster, you make sure you choose the spells, the ones that you've prepared, or you know the amount of the cantrips that you choose, all that kind of stuff. The unofficial step eight is name. Now, for some reason, it always ends up that figuring out the character's name comes very last in character creation, just in my experience. Um, whether I'm making a character for one shot or helping new players make some for a new campaign, I always save character name for last. Um, now, obviously, you should do it when you want, when a name comes to you, but I think the character's name is very important, and it should reflect the character, which you only really know the character once you've figured out everything else. Um, now, there are some great name suggestions in the section on the races, so, you know, if you totally do can't think of a name, you can go into the chapter on races and choose a name that's cool to you. Um, most likely, you'll choose a name from the list of names from the race that you're from, um, but maybe, like, if your character is, like, a halfling, but they were raised by elves, you may choose an elven name because that's what the elves gave you. Um, but do what you think is best. Uh, do it, you know, make sure it fits the setting, fits your character, 
Um, but I, I love coming up with names, and uh, I think the names are like a, a really big part of uh, character creation process, and, and it's really fun. So, uh, you know, doing that all together and like bouncing ideas off of each other and stuff can be really cool and fun. Okay, the last note I want to make in this episode is advancing in level. So this isn't really a part of character creation in the book, but they do talk about it at the end of that chapter. Um, so basically, if you're not aware how this works, um, you gain experience points, or XP, um, by like killing monsters, solving problems, and when you get to a certain amount of XP, experience points, you level up. And when you level up, you get more health, you get new abilities, all that kind of stuff, depending on what class you've, you've chosen. Um, you know, your hit dice increases, and you increase your hit point maximum, like I mentioned. Um, but yeah, enjoy it. Leveling up is a really cool experience, definitely for new players. Getting stronger and getting access to new abilities is really exciting and should inspire new ideas and tactics. Now, for experienced players, leveling up may mean multiclassing or experimenting with new and different builds. Um, so you can check out uh, episode 16 for more information on multiclassing and, and choosing feats and all that kind of stuff there. Um, if you're more of an experienced player. But yeah, leveling up is really cool. It's a really fun aspect of character uh, of, of playing a character. Um, and I just mentioned here about how you get experience points. That's how it's all detailed in 5th edition material, is everything's based off of XP. But a lot of people don't like using XP and using like the milestone system or just their own system or just leveling up the party whenever they think it's, it's appropriate. Um, so you can figure out with your playgroup what system you like the best, whether you want to use XP or Milestone or whatever it is. Okay, you guys, that brings us to the end of today's episode. Thank you so for, so much for listening. Uh, this is one of the ones, like I mentioned, I've been wanting to do for a while. Hopefully you, you learned something, you got something out of this, if, whether you're a new or experienced player. Um, once again, if you guys want to keep up with, with the D20 Academy podcast, want suggestions on, you know, what, you want to give your suggestions on what you want future episodes to be or just keep up with all the other cool stuff we're doing here, go ahead and follow us at on Instagram at D20 underscore Academy. And once again, if you have some friends... Uh, who you want to get into the game or already playing the game, uh, if you could just refer them to the podcast, that would mean a lot to me. Getting new listeners, helping new people out, uh, it just means a lot to me. Um, so that would, that, would, that would be really cool if you guys could do that. But anyway, thank you so much for listening. Hopefully you learned something in this episode, and I will see you guys next week.